We are going through the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, if you've uh, if you've got your Bibles or you can look at the screens, we're gonna we're gonna jump right into the Scripture this morning into Matthew chapter six. We are looking at one of these incredible messages that Jesus gives to to his disciples and to those that were listening. Um, I want to thank Pastor Jim did a great job last week with his message on the Lord's Prayer. Wasn't that a great word about? The, the Father heart of God for us. Uh, wonderful, wonderful word. Appreciate Pastor Jim and all he's doing with our youth and our children. Um, and we're going to be jumping into chapter 6. And what, what Jesus does here in the Sermon on the Mount is that he basically looks at our motives. Why are we doing what we're doing? And he's basically looking at speaking to religious people who are, are serving God through religion, but not necessarily serving God with their heart. Their motives are not necessarily pure in why they're doing it. It looks, it looks good on the outside. The, the motives for what they're doing looks, looks holy and even looks righteous. But then Jesus dives beneath the surface and kind of exposes um, their true motives. Have it ever happened with you where someone does something with some kind of motives and then all of a sudden the motives weren't as pure as... You thought they were. There was some underlying intentions, right? And, and so what Jesus does is he kind of gets below the surface and looks at the motives for why some people were doing what they were doing. So let's jump into the word here. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at Jesus' words here. And we're looking at uh, this Sermon on the Mount, which starts with Matthew chapter 5, ends in Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be looking at the first, uh, first uh, eight verses of of Matthew chapter 6. And um, Jesus sees something something that's going on. And this is not necessarily a bad thing. This is about praying and giving. And so what Jesus does is he kind of exposes the motives for why some of the religious at the time, why they were giving and why they were praying. And then Jesus kind of corrects that. And he says, listen, here's the right motives on how you should give and how you should pray. Both things, very good things to do. But Jesus wants to make sure that our motives are correct. So here he says this. He says, be careful. Give thought. So when it, when, when it means to be careful, like when we see in the scriptures, be careful for nothing, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and petition. Well, what that means to be careful means to give thought to it. Just don't, just don't do something. Give thought to what you're doing. So what Jesus says here, he says, be careful, give thought to, um, not to your acts of righteousness. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men or, or to be seen by them. And if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their, their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not know what your left hand, uh, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And then he goes on to prayer. And when you pray, once again, don't be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. And I tell you the truth that they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why am I doing this? Um, I asked myself that question yesterday. Um, I am not a handyman by any sense of the imagination. Um, I'm not good at building things. I tell my family this all the time. If we were uh, the little house on the prairie, we would die after a week uh, because I couldn't fix anything. I couldn't make anything. I couldn't build the house. And it would be a short, basically, if we did the little house on the prairie, there'd be one show. We there, we die, and that's the end of the series, okay? Um, which maybe that would have been a good idea with that show. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. My sisters are going to kill me now for saying that if they listen to this message because it's all we want growing up. Where are the Waltons? How many of you ever watched the Waltons? Remember the Waltons? I watched that again. I go, that is the most boring show in the whole world. We watched it every Thursday night. We made the popcorn and we watched the Waltons and I watched it again. I go, my God, this is like torture watching this thing now. But anyway, no, good show. I'm just kidding. Um, so I was thinking to myself this. Way. I go, why am I doing this? Uh, uh, yesterday, we, we have, uh, we're, we're uh, very glad. We have an exchange student coming from China. He's coming tomorrow. He's going to be staying with us for the year. I'm going to introduce him uh, hopefully next week. And uh, we're excited about that. So the problem is, um, our son Colby is not going away to school. He's, he transferred to the U of R, so he's going to be living with us for this semester. So I had to put the boys, Colby and Wesley, in one room. So I had this wonderful idea. I said, guess what? I'll build a loft. And the boys are like, yeah, cool, Dad. Build a loft. This is a great idea. Now, what I did was I had no plans. I just had this vision of this wonderful loft with a lot of wood. And I said, I think I can do it, Kathleen. I think I can build. So I, she, she went on Pinterest and she looked at all these lofts and I said, I think I can do this one. Remember, no plans. I, have no, I just basically, what's the size of your mattress? I build this thing. So I go to Lowe's, um, I buy all this wood and all this wood is sitting in, in my garage and I just thought to myself, what am I doing? What was I thinking, right? So, uh, so I build this loft. It took me about 12 hours to build it. But I built this loft. It's in my house. Um, it's condemned already. I don't think Wesley should sleep in it. No, I built it. I'm going to have somebody check on it today to make sure. But it took me forever. Someone else to build this loft probably would have took him two hours. But for me, when I do something, it just takes me eight times longer to do it. And I'm hopefully this loft will work. And the boys seem to be excited. And hopefully no one will die in the process. But we've all asked ourselves, why Am I doing this? Have you ever wondered what your motives were for doing something or, or, or the motives behind uh, the actions? It, it looks good from the outside, but, but you know, maybe if, if I'm doing this thing, is it going to benefit me? You know, maybe for men, you, you wash the dishes and your wife gives you that, you know, that funny look and asks you, why are you washing the dishes? Because you never washed the dishes before. And Oh, no reason, honey. I just wanted to serve you for the glory of God in the kingdom of God, right? Uh, and, and your wife will be thinking, okay, I know something's up. Or your kids can also do this. You know, I, and my kids do this. You know, they, they, they snuggle up to you. And, and uh, my daughter, Lily, can do this at times, snuggle up and, and just say, hey, I love you, Daddy. You know, I'm like, oh, Daddy, have you lost weight, right? Are you, are you working out, right? And then you know right away, 
All right, here you go. Here's $20. Right, you know, so you know something's up uh, with the motives. And so as we're studying the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus delivers on this, this hillside. Uh, in his message, he, he lays this out for us, this theme of, of, of the heart. But what is really going on in our hearts? He deals with our hearts and our motives and what God really cares about. He deals with those that were practicing religion, and he says, listen, you're doing it with the wrong motives. He kind of exposes them. And so it was more about how they looked and practicing religion than serving God. And so in this section of of Matthew chapter 6, we're going to deal with motives and why am I doing what I'm doing? And so the main point that, that Jesus is making in this portion of his message was not about giving to those that are needy, because that, that's a good thing. So he's not saying don't give to the needy. He's just saying when you give or when you pray. So this is important and we should do this, but Jesus' main point is in the way we give or in the way we pray, the motives for doing these things. So Jesus says to the religious, he actually calls them hypocrites in the way they give. They give to the needy, and, 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 and by giving to the needy, they were actually looking at themselves. And so Jesus calls them hypocrites, and they really didn't care about maybe the needy as much as they cared about receiving the applause. And so the word hypocrite there originally referred to a Greek actor. Here's what, it, here's what it literally means. It literally refers to a Greek actor who wore different masks as they played different roles. So that's the original meaning of that word. It's a Greek actor who wore different masks when they played different roles. And so Jesus is saying, you're playing two different roles. You're putting on two different masks. And so what Jesus saw in the Pharisees is this. They were applause addicts. They loved the applause of men. It wasn't about giving so much to the needy or about praying to God. It was the applause they received from those who saw them doing it. Now, this is where it can get very dangerous. And, and for all of us, now we can look at the Pharisees and we can say, oh, how bad. I, I would never announce my giving with trumpets, right? I would never, you know, uh, show off in that way. But before we get too hard on the Pharisees for a moment, I believe for all of us sitting here today, there's a little teeny place in our lives that loves the applause and loves the attention. If we're just being honest with ourselves, right? Um, it's interesting, like when you watch um, sporting events or, you know, especially, you, you know, watch the NBA finals were exciting this year and they, they, they hit this clutch shot and all of a sudden they're, they're running down the court and they're, they're pumping the crowd up, right? Pump up the crowd, get the applause going for this great shot that I made. Now, we can look down on athletes for doing that, but I think every single one of us, this is an area that it can touch on. Um, they've discovered something about social media that's very interesting about this applause. And um, social media that they found is this correlation for this need for likes. Okay? So let's just, just throw it out here today, okay? Everybody love me first. I love you guys first. Okay, let me just, let me just 
Let me throw it out here. So if you're on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, right, you throw something up there, and the way you respond to that is through a like. You, you like the, the photo or what they're doing. Nothing wrong with that, right? But here's the thing that they're learning about social media and the needs for like. What they're learning, what scientists are learning is this. We are not only wanting applause, but for instant applause. There's this instant gratification when someone likes something. And so what they're finding is this. Not only are we wanting applause, but we need this instant applause. And so what scientists have discovered is this. When we get affirmation or a comment on social media, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, whatever it is, it actually releases dopamine in your brain, which is addicting. And so what what they're getting is this. Getting a like can actually work like a drug. And what they have discovered is that it actually acts as a momentary high. But in the long run it leaves us wanting more and actually feeling more empty. And as great as, listen, I am not, I'm, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I, I have no problems with those things. But I think it's just checking our motives a little, a little bit. Is that okay? I'm not, I'm not don't, don't say that Pastor Barnes is making this big stand again. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, is just checking our motives a little bit about this. It's interesting, I watched it documentary on Michael Phelps. I just thought the Olympics had been fabulous this year. I, I used to be a swimmer. I love watching the swimming event. The swimming is the best part of the Olympics, period. I'm just saying, it is, okay? If you don't agree with me, that's tough because I'm right, okay? It's just the best part of the whole Olympics. After this week, it gets boring, all right? It's just, the second week of the Olympics, is it nosedives, okay? I love the running. Usain Bolt, that's about it, okay? That's as far as I go, and then I'm done with the Olympics. What I loved about, you know, just watching the swimming is the dedication and the training. All that stuff is great. But I watched a documentary on um, Michael Phelps. And Michael Phelps has won about a bazillion medals. Most decorated Olympic athlete ever. I think he's got 20, I think he's up to 22 gold medals now. 800,000 gold medals. I don't know how many he is, but he's, it's just insane how many medals he, gold medals he has. But I watched a documentary and... You know, after, after the Beijing and London Olympics, he just nosedived. He couldn't find his identity. He said it wasn't the medals anymore. And to the point to where he wanted to take his own life. He just lost his way. His swimming became his whole identity. And he says, what do I do after this? And, and, and many, obviously many athletes discover this. And, 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 and Michael Phelps has come out of that and kind of reconciled with his dad. It was a great, great documentary on ESPN. And, and I was thinking about that. There's this, what happens after the applause is gone? After the likes aren't there anymore? And then it, there's this, this new phase of, of, of I've, I've got to get more. I, I, I've, I've got to find different meaning in, in my life. And I think that's what Jesus was exposing here. He was exposing the heart. Is there the need for approval and the like of men over why we're doing it. Because if, if we're doing it for the Lord, just as we sang in that worship song, I'm satisfied in him. And, and it's not, it doesn't matter how many likes I get or don't get or 
How many people appreciate me or don't appreciate me? If my motive is for the Lord and doing it for him, those other things are going to be squelched in my life. They're not going to have that, they're not going to have that leverage in, in my life to take control over my life. My identity is not going to be in the likes or the applause or the medals. None of those things matter after a while. And I think that's what Michael Phelps had to discover in his life and so many other people. And just like you and I, we're no different from Michael Phelps uh, in many ways. And so it's finding my satisfaction in the Lord. And so what Jesus does here, and here's what I want you to catch. Here's where I want you to listen to this. Listen, listen. Here's what Jesus says. Here's how Jesus counteracts the need for approval. Now, I, I bet you none of you, after me reading this scripture, thought I was going to talk about this. Because, because this is at the heart of it. At the heart of this is this need for approval. And, and if we're not careful... Our motives for doing things can be simply done for approval or acceptance. People pleasers, right? And believe me, I struggle with that. And if you're anything like me, we all struggle with getting that need for approval from people, being people pleaser. How many know that just makes you go crazy sometimes? Trying to, because how many know no one can ever be satisfied, <laughs> no matter how hard you try, right? And you ever done something, you do it with your whole heart, and then someone has one negative thing to say, and it just crushes your day. And you may have a hundred other people say, that was great, you did a great, blah, blah, blah. And then you get this one negative comment, right? And it's like, it root, that, and that one negative comment just burrows its way into your brain, Right? And you forget about all the other positive comments, but that one negative comment you cannot get rid of. Why? Because there's this approval that we need. And if we're not careful, we end up becoming people pleasers and not God pleasers. And, and that's really what's at the heart of Jesus' message. Once again, nothing wrong with posting things on social media, but it goes back to the heart. And this is what Jesus is getting to. What the Pharisees were doing is they were using prayer and giving to the needy as a smokescreen to be seen and to be applauded. Goes back to the motives. Jesus' warning is, is not to express your faith in a way that's hypocritical. So that, that's his, his warning. So verse 1, Jesus tells the crowd, don't practice your righteousness before others. Now, what does this mean? Does it mean we can't pray in front of other people or give in front of people or serve in front of people? Um, I, I, that's not really what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't serve God in front of others or this is all important. What he is saying is don't do it for the reason of public recognition. See, I definitely believe we should encourage other people. We should recognize other people. But if I'm looking for that, as the reason why I'm doing certain things, then I'm doing it with the wrong motive. And so when I do something for God, Jesus tells us to do it not in order to be seen by others or gain the approval from others. Don't, don't do it because in the back of your mind, you're hoping you're going to get this approval or people are going to pat you on the back. Don't do it with that reason. Now, if someone does do it, great. We should Listen, we should encourage other people. I, I love 
getting encouraging notes. I love sending encouraging notes and just telling people that I love them and thank you for serving and thank you for just what you did for me or how you encouraged me or how you prayed for me. That's great. We should be doing that. But if I'm serving God with the motive that I'm looking for on the back end to get encouraged or on the back end to be approved, then I'm becoming a people pleaser, not a God pleaser, right? And, and what happens is this thing over here becomes an endless pit that can never be filled or can never be satisfied. And it, it becomes very frustrating in our lives. So when we do something for God, Jesus tells us, don't do it in order to be seen by men. And it's interesting, this word to be seen is very interesting because this is where we get our English word theater. To be seen, what Jesus says, is actually where we get our word, our English word theater. And what this basically means is it means to be on a stage to be seen by others. So the actor would wear these different masks, and this is where we would get the word hypocrite. And what happens at the end of every performance? The actor comes on stage, he receives the applause of the audience, and if it was really good, they may come back for a second time. If the band was really good, they'd come back for an encore. And here's Jesus' point. This is the point he's making. When we are serving God, and when we are worshiping God, who is the one who is supposed to be on the stage? Hmm. Who is the one who is supposed to be in the limelight? Now, if, if I'm the one on the stage, if, if, if I'm the one who wants to be in the spotlight, Jesus says, you will have no reward. You've already received your reward because you got the accolades of men. You lost your blessing. You've already received your reward. So at the heart, at the heart, listen to me, at the heart of Jesus' message is this. Worship with the right motives. See, we can actually worship God with the wrong motives. Now, I know this has not happened to any single one of you in this place, so let's just suppose, let's just make this supposition. Um, Let's say that you're driving to church and you get in an argument with your spouse, which I know has happened to none of you here in this place, right? And you get in an argument with your spouse right before you come to church and uh, you get into church and you play it off like nothing happens and then you're singing and you're shaking everybody's hand and you're praising the Lord. Meanwhile, your spouse is giving you the dirty look, right? Saying, you've got to be kidding me. We just had a blowout in the car, and you know, you're coming in here, and you're lifting your hand, and you're worshiping God. Really? I said, blah, 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 right? Um, and, 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 and so, uh, see, here, here, here's, here's, here's what Jesus is trying to, is trying to say. He said, he said here's, here's how you serve God with the right motives. How do we do this? And, and I want us to all understand this place today, to know this that our motives will never be 100% pure no matter how hard we try. They never will be. So don't kill yourself over saying, are my motives, are my motives 100% pure? Because you know what? If you come into church and you've got an argument with your spouse, you know what? Worship the Lord. Let God convict you. Look at your spouse and say, I'm sorry. I repent before God. Can I lift my hands down and worship? Is that okay? Right. Uh, listen, you know, deal with it. Repent. 
make up, all those other things, right? Our, our motives are never going to be 100% pure. And this, this, is, this is where we actually fall on the righteousness of Christ. Amen. And on his grace. And, and, and Jesus' righteousness will cover our shortcomings. So it's never going to. And so this is where I just say, don't beat yourself up if you're thinking, is this a harm? Am I? Just, just do it. And just say, God, I'm going to serve you with the best of my ability I pray that my motives are right. I, I want to make sure that my heart is in the right place, but they're never going to be. And how many of us know that people are still going to judge your motives? And so let's be careful about how we judge the heart of people. Let's be careful there because it's very easy for us to judge the motives of people. Only God knows the motives for why people do what they do. Amen. So let's be careful not to sit in the seat of a scoffer or a or a seat of a judge to judge the motives of why people do what they may do without knowing why they're doing it. So when we worship God, we want to make sure that he is on the stage, not me. And so two ways, here are two ways that we can counteract um, people-pleasing and that we can counteract making sure that we're not, our motives are not impure in the way we're doing it and the way we're we're serving God. Two ways that we can worship it. And Jesus gives these two examples of giving and prayer. Here are two ways that we can worship God and the right way that we can do it because God cares about these two things. So two ways that we can worship God is through our giving and prayer. And then he says, here's how you do it with the right motives. Notice what Jesus says. It's not if you give, it's when you give. It's not if you pray, it's when you pray. And so let's look at giving because giving is part of my worship to the Lord. Why is giving important? And here's the reason why. Jesus is not saying that giving is wrong. He's saying give with the right motives. And here's why it's important. Because when I give, I show who's actually in control of my life. I actually show who's in control of my life. See, worshipful giving recognizes that everything comes from God. And, there, and, and, and there's two things that it shows. It shows that I'm just the manager and Jesus is actually the owner. See that? I'm, I'm just the manager. If, listen. Oh, if you can just get this point, this is so freeing. This, is, this point was so freeing for me early in my Christian walk because I used to think that I was the owner, Right? That, that, that I control everything that I do. I control my money. I control my life. Right? And I do that. And that, that works out real good, doesn't it? Um, but when I realize that, wait a minute, God's the owner and I'm the manager. And am I being a good steward with everything that God has given me? So when I worship God through my giving, what I'm saying is, God, you're in control of my life. And so I give to you because I give out of worship because of what you've done for me. Because you are in control of my life. It's not me. It's God who is Lord of my life. Giving is important because it breaks the yoke that money can have over my life and it frees me to worship God. So Jesus is not saying that we should never give in public. It's all about our motives. Giving in a way that, that, that gives applause to God. And the way we do that is not by giving in a way that would put the, the light or the limelight on me or put me on center stage. And the way we do this is through confidential giving. And so the common thread between giving and praying, Jesus says, just do this in secret. 
Meaning you don't, have to, you don't have to broadcast it. Just do it because that's your worship unto the Lord. Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Basically, it says, give with the idea that your best friend doesn't know what you're doing. Give, 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 give with the idea that your best friend doesn't know. I love when someone blesses someone else and they don't know who the giver is. That, that's pretty cool. And, and here's why that it's great. Because that person can only thank God for the gift that was given. I like that. That's a good point, isn't it? I can remember when I went on my first mission trip. Actually, my first mission trip was an outreach to the 1984, that's how old I am, the 1984 Olympic Games in Los Angeles. I was, I think I was 18. We went on an outreach there. We did street witnessing and skits on the street. It was really fun. Great out. It was my first thing as Really, as a Christian, a big outreach ever went on. And I had to raise like $700 to go. And I remember I worked in the church that I was part of. And my job in, in the church was to scrub between each pew and get all the gum out of the carpet. Thank you, by the way, for not chewing gum in the, in the sanctuary. No, I'm just, um, and I got this really strong muscle right here in my hand for doing that because I had to take, I had to scrub, I had to get all the stains out and peel all the... And that was my little job. I think I made $3 or whatever the minimum wage was at the time. And so I think out of the $700, I think I made like $30 towards my trip after doing all that. No, I'm just saying, I think I got like half. And so I was like, man, I've still got $350 to go and I don't know how I'm going to do it. And so I went up to the secretary and I said, what's my balance for the trip? Because I know I've got a little way. I think I'm about halfway there. And she goes, your balance has been paid. I said, what? I owe like three. And she goes, no. I go, there's a mistake. Because I know I owe like three. I only did like half. I only, I've worked a couple weeks, three weeks. I, I really know I got, you know, I only got half. She goes, no, no, no. Your balance is paid. You can go. I'm like, to this day, I don't know who paid my balance. And I just praise God for that. To me, that's when the missions trip started. That's when the, now, it was a great missions trip. And I don't even remember half the stuff that went on in the missions trip because it was so many years ago. Um, but I remember that. I remember that someone paid my balance. Isn't it great that Jesus pays our balance, our debts, that we could never pay back? All the praise goes to him. All the glory goes to him. See, that's the motive Jesus is saying. Give, give secretly in confidentiality that your, your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. Um, and, and then Jesus jumps into prayer here. And, and, and this is where I kind of want to just wrap everything up. Here, here Jesus talks about prayer. And what he says is, he says, don't make it a spectacle. It's, it's, it's not how elegant you pray. Um, have you ever heard someone pray out loud and, and then you had to pray after them? And you're like, oh my goodness, that person prayed like they were like, they've been praying forever and now I got to pray. I remember when I was at a minister's meeting, there was a, a gentleman, he was a seasoned pastor. I think he was a pastor when Moses was alive. I mean, he was just really a seasoned guy. And um, he prayed, and he just, it was eloquent. It was well said. And they said, okay, Barton, you can pray next. I'm like, uh, really? No. His was fine. He did a good job. I don't want to, you know, and you just feel like you're measuring up to this, and it's not going to be adequate. Jesus says, listen, he, he, he doesn't care how eloquent your words are. 
See, here's what God loves. God loves sincere prayers that come from the heart. That's what he loves. He loves sincere prayers that come from the heart. And he gives this great example in Luke 18 about a prayer between a Pharisee and a a tax collector who was a sinner. And I love this. Let me just read it for you. It's it's recorded for us in Luke 18, verse 9. You've got this tax collector who everybody hates. He's a sinner. He works for Rome. He cheats people, right? No one likes him. Then you got this this Pharisee who thinks he's so religious. And and, and this is what Jesus says. In verse 9, it says, To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. And this is what Jesus says. Two men went to the temple to pray. And, And one of the Pharisees and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself to God. I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this, this tax collector, right? I fast twice a week and I give a tenth to all I give. All I get. But then verse 13 says, but the tax collector stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says in verse 14, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. God loves humble prayers. See, Jesus isn't saying that praying in public is wrong. But when we pray in private, it's an audience of one. have to worry about impressing God. He already knows your heart. You don't have to worry about what's everybody else going to think. God already knows your heart. And so when you pray alone with God, it's just an audience of one. No one is judging your prayers. You're not worried if you prayed in the right way. You don't have to worry about impressing anyone else. It's just you and God. And listen, for those of you that are obsessed over your motives, Realize that we are faulty, that our motives will never be perfect no matter how hard we try. Our prayers will never be perfect no matter how hard we try. But remind yourself that Jesus is perfect and he covers all your imperfections. Here's what I want you to see. Giving confidentially and praying privately allows God to purify our motives And it allows us to make us realize why we are giving and praying in the first place, right? So when you get alone with God and you give secretly and no one else is there, it just just automatically purifies your motives for why you're doing it. And so that's why I would just encourage you to get alone with God and just sit in his presence when no one else knows. When you give to God or give to a need, just give because you want to give because you just want to please the Lord, not because I'm trying to please people. When you serve people, just serve them because you want to be, just because you want to serve them, because you just want to glorify God in your life. There's a, there's a movie my kids love when, when they were younger. 
came out in 2004. It's called The Incredibles. I, I love, this was, you know, these are one of these cartoon movies that were just good, right? There's not so good ones. This one was good. And let me give you the premise of it. Basically, The Incredibles is about these superheroes. They're called supers. And um, basically what's happened is all these supers have kind of gone under hiding because of all these lawsuits against them for wrecking public property. And so there's this one family and uh, this one guy, he still wants to do it. So he kind of secretly does it, help people out behind his wife's back, who she also um, is a, uh, a super or a superhero. But they've kind of gone under cover, but he still does it. Well, he's working this desk job and he hates it. And he eventually wants to uh, become a, 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 you know, a super again. He, he's Mr. Incredible. And so he, he wants to do this again. And, 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 and he wants to get out there. His wife's name was Elastigirl. They had a, a daughter named Violet Dash. And they had another boy called Jack Jack. And, uh, and so eventually they, they all come out of retirement and they all fight, fight evil people. And that's the whole premise of the movie. And, and their family went through a lot of struggles and they all come together. It's, it's a really, it's a, it's a cool, it's, it's a good movie. For those of you older, don't, you know, don't, haven't seen it, watch it. It's, it's pretty funny. But here's the thing I love about this movie. The thing I love about this movie is that um, uh, Mr. Incredible is not so incredibly in shape. He's a little bit out of shape, right? And so he, uh, he wants to get a uniform. He wants to get a superhero uniform. So he goes to this woman named Edna who makes the superhero costumes, right? And so he wants a cape. And he wants to be like Superman. He wants a cape. And she's like, no, don't, don't, don't get a cape. And here's the reason why. He goes, she goes, capes are disastrous. And she shows pictures of the cape getting sucked into jet engines, right? The cape getting caught on stuff, trees. She goes, it's not good. Just, just lose a cape. But, but he wants this cape. But the best part of this whole um, movie that, that I love about this, and, and it, it, it's the best line of the whole movie, and it's this. She just says, no capes. That's it. Just, just no capes. And I, and I love that. Here's the thing. The Pharisees needed capes. They wanted to say, look at me. And Jesus says to all of us, no capes. Just rely on me. Humble yourself before me. You don't have to hide. See, I think here's what happens. Let me, let me, let me finish with this. The Pharisees actually hid behind their prayers and actually hid behind their giving. They used that as a smoke screen, smoke screen to show how they wanted the world to be, to see them. Look how righteous I am. Look at my cape. Right? Look at my cape, right? Jesus says, don't do anything to be seen by men. Lose the cape. So what if people don't think that you can't pray the right way or do things perfectly? Who, who cares what, what people think? See, the only thing that matters is what God thinks. And he loves you. He, he loves your awkward prayers. He does. He loves that you may not know everything about the Bible. 
Flee back. Yeah, because it makes you humble yourself before him and want to learn more. He loves that. He loves when we don't think we're more than who we think we are. He loves when we humble ourselves before others. He loves when we encourage other people above ourselves. That's what he loves. Lose the cape. Nobody in... Listen, God does not expect anyone in this place to be Superman, to be super Christian, to have it all together. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall down. We need each other. We need Christ. May our motives and what we do be done for Christ and him alone. Let, let your identity be in Jesus not in your cape. Let it be in Christ. And so here's, here's my challenge to you. My challenge to you this week. Maybe you haven't started giving to the Lord. I would challenge you to start giving to the Lord. Just say, God, this is an area of my life where I'm just really not giving and I'm going to challenge myself to, you, to, to start giving to you. I'm going to challenge you also if, if just to start praying but doing it in secret just get alone with the lord once again it's okay to pray it's okay to serve people are going to see that they're going to encourage you all those things are fine just give the glory to god that that, that's all fine but start praying just alone where no one else sees you but you and god even if it's for five minutes just start that alone time with the lord and just pray and just pray from your heart don't worry about the words that you use don't don't worry if you know sometimes i like reading through the psalms because those are like If you read through many of the Psalms of David, these are like really heartfelt prayers that go up to God. Pray the Psalms. Just pray them. Read through them and just say, man, this is me, God. I love Psalm 51 because it's David's repentance before the Lord because of his sin with Bathsheba. And so it's just a great Psalm of just a contrite heart and and just exposing the waywardness of our heart and allowing God to restore us again. Just pray it. Open up to Psalm 51 and just pray, God, this is my prayer, and just pray to the Lord. Get alone with God. Get alone. Audience of one. And the word of God says, God will bless you. He'll bless you. He'll honor you because you're doing it for him. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Amen? So, Lord, we come before you today. We admit that we're frail. We admit that we're people pleasers. We admit that many times we're hypocritical. God, just may our motives change in the way we do things for you. Thank you for your word today and and challenge us to give. Those things are good. Challenge us to pray alone. Challenge us to do these things, God, not because we're looking, you know, to get this accolades of men to find our identity in men and man's applause and likes and all those other things god those things can be just so addictive and so meaningless after a while god help us to serve you with that pure heart thank you jesus that you did everything for us thank you that you even you you cover everything in our lives you did everything to bring us back to a right relationship with god the father so we lay our hearts at your at your feet today and as we just close now as we close in song, Lord, we just, we just want to honor you and thank you for receiving us. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for being patient with us, God. 
uh, when, we, when we turn to other things to try to satisfy our wayward hearts. Thank you for being patient and drawing us back through your word. So we love you and we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.